out, be my best. Be my best. Everybody wants to be their best. Or you hear the term sometimes, be yourself. And then I would say, be the best version of yourself. But if you notice the title this morning, I capitalized the M. Be my best. Be Christ's best in you. In my life, I can do only so much, but I have access to Christ through a sanctifying grace that he can work in my life to help me to be his best in my life. I want to be Christ's best, so be my best. And that's what I want to preach and teach about this morning. We live in a society of selfies. Now, I didn't know about selfies when I was growing up. In fact, we didn't have selfies a lot of the times when my older two were growing up. But somewhere along the way, these, these things came about called selfies. There used to be Polaroids, and you would take the picture, and you would take it out, and it was, it was cutting-edge technology because you could hold it, and it would actually develop itself right there in front of you. Can you imagine how all of that has changed so dramatically? But now we can take hundreds of pictures in a matter of a few minutes, really, and have them all over Facebook. And people from all over the world can see our photograph and see that we're eating baked spaghetti within 30 seconds. It's amazing, isn't it? How, how technology and things have changed. But now there's selfies. And there's selfie sticks. And people will take selfies of themselves. And then... Some people will run them through filters so that it enhances the picture. If you see my picture on Facebook, you just see the raw, ugly self, I guess. Because I don't know how to do all that. And I, don't, I just don't want to learn. You'll just have to see me wrinkles and all, I guess, as they say. But sometimes people will run them through filters and they'll produce the best image of themselves. Now, I have learned to, to do this if I'm taking pictures and especially if I'm going to publish the picture. If I'm doing it at the house or somewhere and, and there might be some dishes in the sink or maybe a, a few things lying around, I have learned from my wife to ensure not to have those things in the picture. Somebody say amen to that. That's right. So I guess I do filter a little bit of the image of the pictures. You can, you can take those and there could be chaos going on right over here and this picture can look just as peaceful as can be. So I guess we do filter at some level all the time. But this morning, I believe that God has given us as Christians the ability to have things in our lives filtered out of our lives that don't need to be there. I think in our tradition, we have preached the tradition I'm referring to as the church of God. I grew up in all, my, all of my life. And, and we, we are people who believe in holy living, holiness. Sometimes people used to call us holy rollers or, or those holiness people. I believe sometimes we preached and maybe we got a little off of where sanctification is supposed to be. This morning, what I want to try to do is preach about being sanctified and purified and living right. It's really a good thing. Somebody say amen this morning. It's not something for me to come up and preach and railroad at you and rail at you and rant at you. It's more of, hear me this morning, it's more of an invitation that God says, Christ says, I have saved you by my saving grace. 
but I have a sanctifying grace that I have available to you that can help you to conform to my image, that can help you get beyond some of the habits in your life or some of the attitudes or actions in your life that are not pleasing to me. There is a sanctifying grace available to help us in our personal righteousness. Now, that's not a bad thing. That's a happy thing. That's a joyous thing, a joyous opportunity that says God looks at me as a Christian and he sees my flaws and he sees my faults and he sees even sinful things that try to creep in and he says, I want to help you. I want to help you. Let him help you this morning. So this is a good message maybe if, uh, if we need some reminding, maybe if we're a new convert, you're new to the faith, and, and to say, hey, there is a standard of living that God has for his people. And after we accept Christ, we, we are expected to walk in his footsteps. And we are to expect it to, to pursue righteousness and holy living. But the good news is there is a sanctifying grace that can come alongside of us and help us in that. Let me talk about grace a little bit this morning. First, you are saved by grace. Somebody should just say amen right there. I could not save myself. I could not take my sins away. I could not wash them away. I could not remove the iniquity from my life. That burden of sin that has, was upon me, that was bringing me to death, both internally and externally, I could not remove that. But thanks be to God, we are saved by faith through grace. We are saved by faith through grace. Martin Luther helped us find that out. Back in the dark ages when the church as a whole had gotten to a point where they were having people essentially try to earn their salvation. Or even try to pay their way to penance. Or, or try to achieve it themselves. And it was all failure. And he helped us see that we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Through Jesus grace alone. And I thank God for that this morning. Saved by grace. The author of the old song Amazing grace. We Really amazing is an adjective that falls way short of how we could describe this, uh, this saving grace. But after being saved by grace, we should live a life that is becoming of that. We should uh, live a life that is, let me say it this way, worthy of that. Walk worthy, I think one of the writers in the epistles said, of our calling. Think of a person I've seen it before, a, a young man or a young woman, they leave home, they leave their town, their hometown, and they go, they join the military, and they go through extensive training, and they eventually get a uniform, and they shine their shoes, and they learn how to stand straight and tall, and they get in the best physical condition that they've ever been in their lives, and they walk firmly, and they walk proudly, and they serve their country and their conduct and their appearance and the way they come across is befitting of the position of being in the United States military. They're walking worthy of the calling that they're in. We could use that example with any many different types of vocations or jobs or calling. But how much more? How much more should we, when we become Christians, say, I am now bearing the name of Jesus Christ. Come on somebody. I am. They, they, they called them first Christians at Antioch. Now they were saying it. 
a little bit jeering, a little bit condescending because they were saying little Christ. They were being a little sarcastic towards them. But I want to tell you this morning with no sarcasm, with no reservation, I am proud to be called a Christian. I'm glad I am a Christian. I am proud to bear the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How about you today? And when I bear that name, I represent him. I represent the Father. I represent this church. And I want to walk worthy of who I am in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just that there are some rules and boundaries. And there are some rules and boundaries. Amen. There are some no's. In the Christian walk. But if we can get deeper than that. It's a relationship. With him. And I love him. And I'm one with him. And I want to please him. And I want my conduct to please him. We are saved. By grace. Would you read with me this morning. Romans 12.2. I want to share it with you in two different translations. Because I, I like how both of them read. Romans 12.2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me read it in the New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The influence of the world, the culture around us is so very strong. So very strong. The influence of the culture is in every major institution, all through the marketplace, all through society. The influence of culture is, is bombarding us. And unfortunately, largely the influence of culture today is ungodly and contrary to the word of God. But the good news today, when I read Romans 12, 2, tells me I do not have to conform to the culture that is around me. My mind, my thinking can be transformed by the sanctifying grace of God. My mind can be renewed by the power and the principles of the word of God. And I live in this world, but I am not of this world. I am a Christian. I am a Christian in a fallen culture, in a fallen society. But I can live and you can live victoriously and lovingly and influentially in this world. We can be transformed by the renewing of our minds through the word of God. We are sanctified by grace. I talked about we are saved by grace, but we are sanctified by grace. By grace. In case I haven't said it about four times already this morning, sanctification is a beautiful concept. That sanctifying work of our lives being purified, our lives being conformed less to this world and more to Christ is a beautiful thing. On one hand, we have the worldly society and pride 
And on the other hand, we have holiness and humility. That really embodies the tug of war. Ever played tug of war before? I, I started to bring a rope. No, I really didn't. But bring a rope and we could. But I didn't want to show anybody up, you know, this morning. But that's the tug of war we're in. The worldliness of this world versus the holiness of Christianity. Take it down to an individual. The pride of life versus the humility in which Christ wants us to live. Pride is a rough thing, isn't it? Pride is a tough thing. Pride has been the fall of many, many people. But what we have to realize this morning is every single one of us can be susceptible to pride. I would say large numbers of temptations, I don't know if it would be an overstatement to even say possibly almost all temptations in some way or another can have their root back into pride. Pride of saying, I know what's best. Or pride of saying, I can do what I want to do. Or pride saying, just flat out rebellion. All of us have to keep this thing called pride in check. How do we do that? We practice humility. We practice humility before God. Humble yourself before God that he might exalt you in due season. Prefer your neighbor above yourself. That humility that is in our lives will cause us to live a life that is more pleasing to Christ. During those times when pride starts to raise up. And I have that sometimes. Maybe, you, maybe I'm less sanctified than you this morning. I don't know. But I have that sometimes when that pride will start building up. And I'll say, well, by goodness, I can do that. Or by goodness, how dare they or or. I can make my own decision, but pride must be pushed down and humility to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? God, how do you want me to respond? God, how do I prefer my neighbor above myself when, when that person has done me wrong even? And I want to respond because my pride has been hurt, but humility says turn the other cheek. Not easy, is it? But I thank God there is sanctifying grace that is available to all of us. And the thing, here's the good news this morning. The things that maybe you feel like you're struggling with today, through a work of the sanctifying grace in your life, they don't have to be the things that you struggle with in the future. That's the good news. I'm preaching the good news and the beautifulness of the concept of sanctification this morning. How does God do that? Well, I don't know. How does God do anything? <laughs> He's God. He's way above my working. But some people will have a debate and they'll say, is sanctification, is it an instant work or is it a progressive step-by-step -step work? My answer to that would be yes and yes. Yes and yes. I believe with all of my heart, that we can have experiences with God in our prayer closet or in an altar somewhere or just in time communing with God where God can touch us in an instant work of sanctification and take some things out of our lives and out of our hearts that don't need to be there. Somebody say amen. 
That's instant sanctification. I believe that there is instant sanctification. But I also believe when we study scripture that we are to walk out sanctification. And it is also a progressive process. Step by step. Day by day. Ever trying to go closer to the Lord. Ever conforming our image to his image. Daily taking up the cross and following him. The good news is in our progressive walk, there is sanctifying grace to help us. There is sanctifying grace to help us. So there's saving grace. There's sanctifying grace. Let me say this. You can live a life of love by Christ's grace. You can live a life of love. By his grace. You see really. All of this. Is rooted. In love. When Jesus was asked. What's the greatest commandment. He said you shall love. Your God. Right with all your heart. Soul mind body strength. Everything. And then he said the second one. That's very very close to the first one. You shall love your neighbor. As yourself. If I love God, I'm going to be motivated to serve him and to try my best to live righteously. Somebody say amen this morning. Now, I'm not preaching sinless perfection because we're all going to fall down and that's where we need his grace to forgive us and help us get back up, right? What I'm preaching is there's a change on the inside that says I love him and those old things have passed away and all things are new and my love and my nature has changed and I love him and I want to serve him and it hurts me when I fall short because I've been changed on the inside. That love of God. But then there's that love of fellow man. That is such a root of sanctification because if you look at even many of the Ten Commandments If I love you, I'm not going to steal from you, right? If if I love you, I'm not going to commit adultery with your spouse because I love my neighbor, right? If I love you, I'm not going to covet or be jealous of what you have because I love you. That's why love fulfilled the law. And so as Christians, when we accept Christ in our hearts and our lives and our nature changes and our love is fixed on him, That byproduct of that is we begin to love one another. When I say neighbor this morning, I don't just mean the person who lives to your right or to your left or across the street. I'm talking about all of humanity. All of humanity is what he meant. So when I love God, I love others. And if I love others, I'm not going to sin against them. I'm not going to do wrong by them. So the root of all of this is love. God's love working in me and through me and sanctifying me and sanctifying how I live before him and sanctifying how I interact with others and live in relationship with others. Let me just throw this in here. It's not in my notes, but let me just give you this. I won't charge any extra today for it. You look over in, towards the end of the New Testament, it says that if a man says he doesn't love his brother then how can he love God? Love is the root of this. It's a deep thing. And if I'm having trouble loving somebody else, I need to pray through that. 
And if you're having trouble loving somebody else, let me say it with love but firmness. You got to pray through that. You got to love one another as we love God. So the last slide this morning in closing is allow me, being Christ, allow me to do my best work in you. Allow Christ to do his best work in you. There is a story of this old dilapidated violin. Maybe you've heard this story before. And the violin had gotten pushed in a corner probably somewhere and dusty and the strings were broken and it was out of tune and it was in need of repair. And and there was just nothing to be done seemingly with that old violin. Maybe you felt like that before, tossed in the corner, a little dusty and a little broken. But it said that a master violinist came through and found this old violin. And and this master expert took it up into his hands and he put new strings on and he tuned the violin and he dusted it off and he repaired all the repairs and he began to play beautifully on the old violin. And I think that's a picture this morning of Jesus Christ, of how he wants to work in our lives He finds us in our trespasses and our sins. He finds us in our fallen state. But he picks us up into his hands. He saves us through saving grace. And then through sanctifying grace, he starts putting the strings where they need to be. He starts getting the dust off of where it should not be. And he repairs those things in our lives. And then he prepares us so that he might do a great work. As just as the violinist played beautifully on the violin. He begins to work through us. And our lives become something beautiful before God and before others. And it's because of the touch of the master's hand. Allow him to do his best work. In you. In closing, I wanted to read those scriptures one more time from Romans 12, 2. Such a powerful, powerful scripture. It would be a good one to study on and meditate throughout this week going forward. Just one short paragraph. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to read it one more time in the New Living Translation as well. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good Pleasing and perfect. Would you stand with me this morning? Which is good and pleasing and perfect. I told you that sanctification was a good doctrine, didn't I? I told you this morning. Did did I tell you this morning that sanctification is a beautiful thing when we allow that sanctifying grace to, to work in our lives? Good, pleasing, beautiful. Would you bow your heads with me as they begin to play what they have today? And this is just the kind of preaching teaching, I guess, that maybe just requires the response from an individual to say, Lord, here I am, and 
I want you to renew my mind. I want you to help me to not copy the culture that is around me. But I want you to put your thoughts into my thoughts. And I want the patterns of living that Jesus modeled. And the patterns of living that the scriptures present. I want those to be reflected in my life. And maybe as we pray this prayer, as we reflect as individuals before the Lord this morning, maybe just maybe we say, Lord, I know that sometimes I fall short in my frailty. But I ask you for your sanctifying grace. That working in me that is beyond myself, that working of you in my life that I need so desperately. And God, make us more like you. Make us more like you. Let, let us leave today with made up minds and made up hearts to be more like Jesus and to live like Jesus, to talk like Jesus, to respond as Jesus would and sanctify us. Sanctify us. Lord, I know that sometimes you can sanctify us instantly. Maybe there's things that we just specifically bring to you and you just instantly in that moment, you sanctify us and you do a work that only can be attributed to your power. And I pray for works of instant sanctification in lives, even today, even this morning, Lord, if it be your will. But Lord, also as you help us progress in our sanctification, as you help us walk day by day by day, Lord, let us feel, let us experience, let us see that sanctifying grace working in our lives. And Lord, I pray for all of us that that the things that pull us down, the things that are not pleasing to you, the things that we struggle with today, that maybe, just maybe, you can help, or not maybe, just maybe, I know you can help us. Lord, that they won't be the things that we're struggling with maybe a month from now or, or a week from now or a year from now, but that we can grow in maturity. We can grow in grace, step by step, inch by inch, centimeter by centimeter your sanctifying grace working in our lives and Lord I just thank you right now for that oh God I thank you for saving grace that, that you took our sins away I thank you so much for that my sins are forgiven my sin debt is paid through Christ and, and I thank you that anybody here this morning who may not know you as their Lord and Savior and haven't been saved that they can be saved they can accept you pray that they would. I thank you for the sanctifying grace that works in our lives to purify us, to get rid of things that shouldn't be there. I thank you for that because it's a beautiful thing and it's you working in us because you love us. So Lord, bless us now in your presence and in your spirit. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.